And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rantanen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Sammy by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. We have a Friday episode for you. Congratulations, you're one week closer to the real NHL season. Only three weeks now until training camp kind of gets up and running, at least for the rookies. Today's episode, you have me, Nathan Rudolph, and a returning to the podcast, but new guest as of recent, in Andy DeRoe. Coming back on the show, ready to talk some analytics today. Andy, how are you, and are you excited to get into this pod? Yeah, doing all right, and I've got all sorts of spreadsheets up, so very on brand and ready to rock and roll. Yeah, I already got the spreadsheets fired up and and ready to get into this. This has kind of been a fast-developing time for this type of thing in hockey, right? I'm a big supporter of advanced statistics and analytics and things like that. I I think it's great the more we can quantify to the hockey game, but how have you kind of gotten into this? I know you've dove head first into this a lot over the past couple of years. What has kind of been your path through this analytical journey so far for hockey? Well, um, uh, a couple things. Um, First thing is in high school, uh, before I got into high, into hockey at all, um, I, I actually took and recorded stats, real-time stats, for the uh, girls' basketball team. So I had a background in actually recording stats. I've always found them to be very interesting. And I like seeing uh, how things progress over the season when you're concentrated on really looking at shots or passes or uh, these things that you might not see uh and really recognize every time you're just watching a game to watch a game and you start to add them up and add them up. uh, It, it reveals some interesting insights that you might not get otherwise. So um, when I came into hockey, it was probably 2010, 2011, um, a bit of a newcomer to the sport uh, transferring again from, from basketball, a basketball background. Uh, it was kind of at that time when analytics were really starting to rise. So as I felt like I was playing catch up to, uh, you know, understand this sport that everybody else had been watching since they were like two, um, it, it was, it was a tool that was in development and I used it as a tool to further my understanding of this the sport. So for me, I was training my eyes as I was training myself and how to use these stats. And it really came along um, together. And that's the way that I typically look at statistics as 
they have their strong points, they have their uses, but, you know, they can't completely uh, replace the eye test and eye test can't completely replace the stats. You use them both together to create the full picture overall. And if you concentrate too much on one or the other, you're, you're missing half the picture. So um, I really come at it with a holistic approach and uh, yeah, that basically sums up how, how I got here and how I go about it. Well, we're happy to have you. You thought you were playing catch up when you were really on the forefront of, of innovation when it came to hockey. So you chose the right path in that regard. And uh, that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today. We might save some of the more eye test stuff for next week. But as far as analytics go, jumping into the Avs season, you were talking about this a little bit before we started. It was a good year for a lot of the Avs when you're looking at their statistics and I'm curious which ones you really have picked out as guys that you're expecting more out of based on some of those stats. The more out of ones, um, you know, there really weren't too many either. Um, A lot of the abs came in just about where you would expect based on their process. When you Mm -hmm. look at, you know, um, shots or uh, shot assists, um, you kind of get an idea of, you know, just how often are they generating scoring chances? How many uh, attempts are they putting up? And when those start to align with the results they're getting, that is what is supposed to happen. And (laughs) for most of the abs, that was actually um, pretty, pretty clear last year. Um, They, they ended up mostly, right where you would expect, which is different than in years past where there have been a lot of unlucky guys. But um, let's see, as far as guys who got a little unlucky, if you want to use that word, um, the biggest one, honestly, and poor guy won't get a chance to uh, uh, make it up until December was Ian Cole. He had a yeah. nasty year. He he did by process a lot, lot better than his results show, um, especially in shots against defense. Uh, he was slightly above average and just got rocked. Yeah, um, I was going to save the eye test for next week, but since you brought up Ian Cole, we'll throw that out. And he is definitely one of the players that by the eye test, a lot of people were very, very negative on. And that is in pretty much direct contrast with a lot of his advanced statistics. Yeah, and that's another area where advanced statistics are are nice is because you can watch a guy and go, man, what happened? Why does he suck? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Then you pull up the stats and you go, oh, because his goalies are letting him down. Okay. I, oh, okay. Cool. It makes sense now. I, I get it. That's why I like um, the PDO stat is yeah. uh, one of my favorites. It's really, really simple. It's just um, on ice save percentage and on ice shooting percentage. And you add them together and it's like the warning light in your car. You know, when it's really big or really little that something weird is going on. And uh, Ian Cole's PDO was extremely low last year. Um, I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but I have um, 
I developed these uh, player evaluation tool. It's a, a Tableau chart. And I have everybody standardized on a bell curve based on their position. So against um, the other defensemen on a scale of 1 to 10, on a bell curve where 5 is average, Ian Cole had a PDO of 1. Uh, so <laughs> he was really unlucky, not only on defense, but also when you look at his uh, shots and shot assists, he was around league average for defensemen and definitely not around league average in uh, results. So he's a guy, one of the very few on the abs who really stands out as, man, he had some rotten luck. Um, and it's it's just upsetting that he won't get a chance to come back and uh, hopefully regress from that until December, assuming, what is it, uh, hips? Hip both, surgery? Yeah, both hips. Uh, so... so Assuming yeah. he can move around on the ice, which... <laughs> Definitely a question after double hip surgery, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's not quite as young as he used to be. Yeah. No, so I, I'm hopeful that that will turn around either this coming year or maybe in the future. I don't know. Um, but he, he definitely was the guy that stood out as the yikes. Um, the only other one that really stood out to me was just in one area and it was actually Colin Wilson on his assist numbers. Yeah. Uh, he, he did really well process wise um, against other forwards on a, again, the scale of one to 10 with five being average and 10 being Connor McDavid. He came in at an eight, but his results were a two. So clearly there's a little bit of a disparaging uh, factor there and uh, he's a guy that uh, his rights were good I think that he was as the year went on used in a more appropriate role having him in the top six is probably not ideal um, but at least on the games that have been this is uh, that stat in particular the shot assists is a manual tracking um, that's done by a friend of mine Corey Snajder I don't know how to pronounce his last name necessarily. There's there's Z's and J's, but um, <laughs> I'm not the only one who struggles with pronunciations on the uh, podcast now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, he tracks shot assists. He's also the one that tracks the um, uh, zone entries and zone exits, which is incredibly useful data when talking about transition and how the puck moves through the zones and who's really good at getting it out away from their goalie or pushing it towards the other team's goalie. It's, it's really an area that normal NHL stats is kind of never covered. Um, so he, he manually tracks all the games and I'm not just talking for one team all the games, all the teams, he watches them all and tracks them all. So he is about halfway through the half season. Um, so it, it's not a full season sample yet. He's still working on it. Uh, but from the data we do have, uh, Colin Wilson is definitely a guy who uh, should see a bit of a turnaround, you would hope, in his assist numbers coming up this next and year. Absolutely. And just for the listeners, Andy is pulling a lot of these numbers when she talks about her ranks from 1 to 10 from her PET charts, which if you are listening on BSN, 
I will link in the post and you can click through and, and experiment with that as well and take a look at, at some of the rankings and ratings for the abs for yourself. So be sure to check those out as well. And you can see just how strong some of the abs seasons had. But back to Wilson, he's someone that's a bit interesting. We've talked about him on previous podcasts that he kind of feels like a stopgap or maybe kind of a weird signing in bringing him back for this coming year. But that seems encouraging if there are some underlying metrics that say he's better than what he's shown so far. Well, there's exactly one area that okay. says Well, that's better than none. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, overall, he is just really average. He's a bottom six guy. Um, given his ice time, which was a little below average, so kind of third line-ish. Um, yeah, he's just average in basically everything. So he's not really a guy that's going to help you much. Sure. But if you are using him further down the depth chart, if he's getting you know third line or even fourth line minutes, he's, he's better than an average fourth liner. So it it depends on how he's being used. Like I said, you probably don't want him in the top six again. That was an experiment and it not great. Very much a stopgap there. That signing, bringing him back seemed a little strange to me as well. Um, kind of seemed a bit panicky. Yeah, like I agree. They had other uh, irons in the fire that just weren't ready yet. And they're like, oh, crap, we need to do something. We need to have somebody. And you know, this guy's here and he wants to come back. And Sure. So he's kind of whatever. Um, <laughs> I say that I say that as, you know, he's definitely one of the best hockey players on the planet. Everybody who makes the NHL. Right, of course. Who's an average NHL player is, is a, incredible. But... Um, uh, on a scale of one to ten, he's a four or a five. So, uh, yeah, just right. He's, he's a guy. It it is what it is. Uh, Colin Wilson, or even players far worse than Colin Wilson, are better at hockey than I'll ever be at anything in my life. But when they have to go up against the Nathan McKinnons of the world, they don't look that great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I can tell you as a stat for the NHL is that every hockey player needs a good dentist. And as you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important. Our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right, you simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call at 303 988 one one to schedule your appointment today. It's going to wrap it up for our first segment here. We're going to take a dive into some of the players that maybe didn't perform quite as well based on their underlying metrics in segment two here in a minute. Before we jump into the second segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast, it's time to take a second to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is what I'm actually drinking right now as we record this podcast. But they've also just released a new beer called the Strawberry Sky, which Andy tells me she 
she's drinking right now. So we're double covered on this one. Got both of our Breck beers going. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling Strawberry Sky that lighthearted Kolsch ale. But for those of you who don't know what that means, it's that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for the Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. And make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. We just launched it a month or two ago, and you can see all of our events that we have planned on there. We'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them, and you can RSVP and come out and have a good time with us. With that being said... It's time to talk about a few players who, well, they might make you want to have a drink or two. Andy, you told me there really aren't that many that have particularly out-of-line negative advanced stats from the Avs past season, but there are still a couple of guys I'm interested about. Some of the guys that are no longer with the Avs. Gabe Bork, I think it was pretty well understood. There wasn't anything... Super interesting in keeping around with his play, but someone like Sven Andragetto is a bit of an interesting one to me. He seemed like a solid player. He struggled with hitting the post a lot last season. Maybe not coming back to the abs, but the fact that he's out of the NHL entirely is a little bit surprising to me. Yeah, um, I'm pulling up his stats right now. Hold on one second. <laughs> this is what happens when I go off script. <laughs> it surprised me. So I am typing. Um, so yeah, with Sven, he's one of those guys that uh, he shoots the puck a lot. That's, uh, that's always been his thing. And uh, it was his thing last year as well. If you look at his shot rate, it came in at a seven. So he shot the puck a lot. And it didn't turn into as many goals as was expected. Um, it, his assists were okay, but not great. And his defense was okay, but not great. I think the biggest thing with him is that he's a guy that... Uh, he, he's not a defensive sure. player. You know, he... He's fine at it, but he's not somebody that you're going to go and get specifically. And a lot of teams run their top six or run their bottom six to where they, they kind of prioritize those guys. And he is just not. He's somebody who needs to be with fairly skilled players, but isn't skilled enough himself to justify that role. So I am a little surprised as well that nobody took a flyer on him. There's no, um, well, there, there's a number of progressive or so-called progressive uh, front offices in the league. So I, I'm surprised, honestly, that nobody has taken a run at him yet. He's definitely a guy who um, I haven't kept up. I don't know if he's signed over in Europe, but he would be a guy that I would expect to sign a PTO um, if he's not. Yeah, I believe he signed in the KHL somewhere, so I don't think he'll be back in the NHL, unfortunately, but... Probably not. I mean, he had that stretch right when he came over um, at the end of the... When was that? The dreadful year, when he was with uh, uh, McKinnon and Rantanen. In the top six, right. Just ridiculous numbers. A lot of that was luck driven. A lot of that was, I mean, I'm pretty sure that I could score goals if I had <laughs> Miko passing to me. But um, yeah, it's, 
he's really fallen off. And with the Avs last year, he he struggled to find a role. And I, I think that that more than anything uh, turned other teams off is that the Avs tried him in a lot of different places in a lot of different situations, and he just never really clicked. So for the Avs, I think moving on was the right move. Um, they've got better players coming in that are just straight out better than um, Andrew Ghetto. Yeah. So, but, you know, there are other teams in the league that aren't as fortunate. And yeah, I, I am a little surprised that he hasn't been given another chance. This is a situation we've seen play out before, one that I know you're you're quite familiar with in someone like Nail Yakupov, a player that just doesn't have the skill set to fit well in a bottom six role, and it becomes hard to fit them into the lineup because you cannot trust them in the defensive zone. Well, and both with Yakupov and Andragetto, you never quite knew what you were going to get next yeah, night. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> there were some nights where they were just amazing, and they were, you know, effort, and they were in the right spots, and everything just seemed to click, and there were other nights, but oh boy. Oh boy. Didn't want to even look at him for a second because you know it was ugly. <laughs> yeah, no. So I think that that also played a role, and that doesn't necessarily show up in the stats because they are averages. They take in the good games, the bad games, and everything in between. Um, and there are a lot of players who are definitely closer to their average night in, night out. Uh, you mentioned him, uh, Gabe Bork was yep. one of those guys where you put him on the ice and you know exactly what you're going to get. And he's going to do exactly that every single time. It's just not that impactful. <laughs> it's not going to really help you. No, it, <laughs> it just won't completely hurt you. Like right. um, Andrew Ghetto's bad nights were bad. Sure. So, uh, and you know, now that we've had a few years of Bednar, we know that he really does prefer the guys that are even keel. Much more you know consistency. Yeah. Yep. Even if they don't necessarily have uh, as much potential, sure. he definitely prefers the guys where he he's not really a gambler. He knows what he wants and he's going to get the same thing every single night. Exactly. And there might be some bad nights because, I mean, they're human and the there are going to be good nights and bad nights, but they're few and far between. Most of the players on the Avs roster and the way that Sackett has built the roster, uh, they are a fairly consistent bunch. You you know what you're going to get. So yep. um, I think that that's part of where Andrew Ghetto ran amiss is that he didn't really fit that part of the identity that Colorado has started to build. Yeah, I, I would say that's... Very fair. It's kind of the situation now that we're seeing the Andrew Ghettos and the Borks no longer on the team as they improve, but you're always looking to get better. So let's get back on script and I won't blindside you with this one. And, and who are the players that you think maybe you got a little bit too much out of in the past season? Well, it wouldn't be by much, but um, one of the guys that actually stood out was Zadorov. Okay. Um, you know, and he scored seven goals, which is yeah. 
I mean, not a ton, but when you start to look at his shots, he was above average in his shot rate for a defenseman. So kudos to him. But uh, his shot rate was like a six and his goals was an eight. So you expect to see, you know, him regressing down is probably one or two fewer goals. It's going to be in the five-ish category that you would expect him to to end up. So um, it's it's not going to be a huge difference, but he is somebody who um, both, well, on his shots, his assists, and his goals against, um, he overperformed his process just a little bit. So he is somebody who could um, see some slight steps back next year, but I mean, he's Z. You you know what you're getting with Z, and uh, he has his role pretty well established, and his uh, offense isn't exactly what you're paying him for. Uh, right. And his defense is fine, which is all you really need um, for the role that he's going to be pushed into, either fourth or maybe even fifth or maybe even sixth defenseman. We don't yep. know yet. So he is, he's probably going to see some steps back, but he's also going to be pushed down into a role that will make things potentially a little easier on him. So it it could all balance out, but he's one guy that I would keep an eye on um, and know that there might be slight steps back. I'm not expecting anything drastic, but uh, he is one that stood out as perhaps slightly overperforming. Um, the other guy who maybe very slightly overperformed would be um, JT Comper. Okay. Two guys the Avs might be hoping for a little bit more out of, and they might have overperformed. That's interesting. I know. It's a little scary, but these are also guys, um, Comfer in particular, who who is still pretty young. Um, yeah. you, you do hope that as they age and mature, there's more that will come. Uh, and comparing this year to next year when they're a year older and more wise and, you know, have playoff experience and all of these other factors, uh, they aren't going to be the same exact people next year. So you, you are hoping for a little bit more growth and just because they overperformed a little bit this year doesn't mean that that's automatically going to be their benchmark for next season. It's, it's not uncommon, especially for those younger players to come back with a new or adjusted process for how they approach the game. And, that's kind of what you have to keep in mind there, I think. Well, and I think comfort too. Um, the middle six last year for the Abs was very turbulent. There Volatile, was a lot of, yeah. <laughs> there, there was a lot of movement. There was a lot of what exactly is this guy's role? How is he being used? Things changed a lot during the year, and they never quite settled. Whereas I think this year there's still going to be some movement up and down, but I feel like the Avs went out and brought in guys that fit the roles that they were trying to shoehorn other guys into. Right. And I think that that is going to have an impact on guys like Comfer, who might actually have a consistent center this year. 
who might be able to build a little bit of chemistry that he wasn't last year. So there are other factors that, that might play into that with a roster being more talented and more um, clean in its role assignments. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you cannot discount factors like that when you're looking at statistics. You have to look at what kind of stability did he have with his line mates and, and what was the team around him doing. Those things do matter significantly. Absolutely. And again, just because he fell a little short this year doesn't mean that next year he's going to be in the same circumstance and, and all of these other factors. So, And when I say he underperformed very, very slightly. Minorly. Yeah, right. Very slightly. Cutting hairs. I mean, it, it's slightly. So, Let's face it. You can't expect him to score two goals on the same penalty kill next year. Well. <laughs> Unless you can. And It'd be great if he did. That, that was great. I enjoyed that. That was yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is interesting, though. You mentioned he might have a consistent center. Comfort was someone I was actually penciling in at center, so I'm curious how how you're approaching that. Do you think someone else will be playing center with him on the wing? Not necessarily. He might be the third-line center. It's a little... I think that depth center question mark is an interesting one. I haven't sat down and really played with the lines too much, but um, one of the guys that the Avs brought in was um Belma. Yep. And um going into I know that we kind of penciled this in for the third segment, but going it all blends in, together, yeah. <laughs> going into the guys that they brought in, he's somebody whose underlying stats are fantastic. Mm-hmm. He he is very very good defensively. He uh, brings a lot of assists he brings a lot of goals um or at least shots given the amount of ice time that he had he was in a a fourth line role so he's somebody who might even push for that third line center depending on how comfort does and then there's also kamenev in the mix as well so you know between those guys maybe comfort is the third line center maybe one of these other guys is and he shifts to wing um that's definitely going to be one of those interesting uh battles going into training camp which i'm sure is another podcast Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but i think that the way that the abs has structured their their lineup there will be more consistency than last year once those battles have been battled so We'll see. It would be great if Confer was a full-time center. Um, that was the position he played on college. That's the position he's played most of his career. So we'll see. And we know that the Avs do value having right-handed centers. Um, that is definitely true, yeah. One of the things they really like with McKinnon. And so I could see them pushing for him to play in that center role, but... Who knows? Um, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I I agree. I personally would not consider putting Belmar above the fourth line. I am a bit skeptical of his actual offensive production, particularly now that he's away from a 
massive, massive puck possession team like Vegas was last season. So we'll see there. I, I, I have been very vocal about not loving the signing on the whole, but it's encouraging that at least the underlying metrics say, hey, look, this is going to be a quality player for you. Yeah, I mean, and the metrics only take you so far. There is a team aspect to this, and Vegas was a monster last year. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's definitely something to to take into account. But, uh, you know, if, if you're putting him on your fourth line, you're doing right. really well. Exactly. If you're putting him on your third line, you're not doing too bad either. Uh, anything more than that, and oh my god. But third line, I, I could see him pushing for that role. It wouldn't probably be ideal, but it's it's an outside possibility. Sure. I think that's a good place to cap off the second segment. We'll get into some of the other new avs coming up here in the third segment. But first, I just want to express how fun it's been this week. We've had three different voices besides myself on the podcast this week. So it's nice to get a a bunch of different views in from around the, the BSN family. And there's also another great thing about the BSN family. We now have multiple subscribers that have partnered with us to help promote their business. Chad with house lift has an incredible service for you. If you or your friends are thinking about selling your house, but it's not in tip top condition, go to houselift.com. They will show you how to maximize your profit. If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this, there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractors to the design while managing these costs. Here's what you need to do. Head to their website or Facebook page, both at houseliftcolorado.com, and check out the incredible remodels Houselift has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from 15 to 60K more into their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they will sell your home without charging a listing commission. We will be back with segment three in a minute. Third and final segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes and you can use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Andy, we've talked about a number of the abs that were already on the team. We got into Belmar at the end of last segment. Now it's time to get into some of the bigger new acquisitions, that being Burkowski, Kadri, Donskoy. I'll give the floor to you, whoever you want to start with. Tell me some good news. Oh, man. I'm just going to spend most of this segment gushing about Kadri. <laughs> I like to hear that. Oh, man. Let's put it this way. Again, on the bell curve, his shot um, rate was a 9, and his assist rate was a 10 last year. Not too shabby. No, and uh, with that, his actual goals produced was a 5, and his assist was a 6. So he is somebody who way, 
way outstripped his results with his process. He was fantastic last year in the the role that uh, Toronto used him in and honestly was completely underused in Toronto. The fact that the Avs are getting him to be the 2C is where he should be playing. And now that he's only buried by one all-world center, it should make life a little bit easier for him. Um, he's his, his transition stats are pretty great. Um, his defense, um, he was a four in shots against, so a little below average last year and got, I guess you could say a little lucky, but he is somebody who has been used in that role before and has done pretty well. So he is all around um, just a, about the most perfect fit the Avs could have gone out and gotten at 2C. Um, he shoots, and especially with Andrew Ghetto leaving, having yeah. somebody who is really a shoot-first mentality is incredibly important for the second line because the Avs do have a lot of guys who prefer to pass. They're, it's not a selfish roster, and that is both good and bad. You, you need a little bit of selfishness because assists don't win you games. Goals win you games. You, you need to have the puck go into the net for them to all count. So I think that that's where Kadri is really going to be a huge improvement for the Avs is in his uh, approach to offense. But going in and seeing that his assist numbers were just as good is uh, pretty incredible, honestly. So he's somebody who is really well-rounded. Um, I think that he is going to be a factor, a huge factor in the abs moving forward. He adds a, a true fourth uh, top six player instead of the, the top line and then guys. Right. So I think the abs are still trying to build around him, but he is a, a slam dunk as far as his, as his st stats are concerned. And from watching him over the years, he's been one of uh, the non-abs that I've kept my eye on over the years. And um, I, I just really like the way that he plays. Sometimes he crosses lines, which is less than ideal. Um, especially when it's happening in the playoffs, but he seems to only get suspended against Boston. And if we're playing Boston in the playoffs, we might be doing okay going forward. So um, yeah, he's, he's somebody who also does bring that element, which again, isn't necessarily reflected in his stats, but uh, he, he's an agitator. He has that, mentality that the abs have also been missing especially outside of Zadorov who Z throws the big hits Kadri is more of the uh the talker that will get under people's skin <laughs> um and then you look at his um penalties too and he's had some years where he's been very heavily penalized, gotten into a lot of fights and some years where he's been extremely conservative I think his uh, spread over at least a mostly full season have gone from somewhere in the 20s to somewhere in the 90s. So um, kind of off topic a little bit here, but Kadri is one of those guys who I'm very interested to see which Kadri shows up 
in Bednar's system. Yeah, I, I think that's extremely interesting as well. Uh, as you mentioned, having someone to drive that second line, one of the biggest knocks on the Avs last year was that they were a one-line team, and you can talk about how that really isn't that accurate, but having someone to truly drive that second line, the Avs got by with Soderberg last season. It was good enough. He did seem to struggle at the end of the year, but Kadri is that type of player that can absolutely do that for you, as shown with his metrics. The penalties is actually interesting. The past two seasons, he's cut it down quite a bit, both years in the 40s. So he's not really hurting you that much when it comes to his agitation and things, assuming he can keep himself from getting suspended, but that's a different story. So, And that's what I find that so interesting is you've seen with um, AJ Greer in particular, and even yeah. Zadorov to some extent, is that when players are getting penalized but bringing plenty to the table beyond that, Bednar is okay, but you have to contribute enough to make up for the penalties or there is going to be issues. I think that, at least in my opinion, that's one of the biggest reasons why AJ Greer has not stuck yet with the abs is that he brings more penalties than he does, you know, offense or anything else that actually helps the Evs. He he ends up hurting them a little bit more. And you would like to see him tap into that offense because we know he has it. We've seen it in the AHL, but it, it hasn't translated yet. And uh, Bednar doesn't have much patience with it. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Kadri, knowing that that's the way Bednar kind of thinks and goes about business. And it's, it's really um, promising that there have been low penalty years with Kadri. You know, he can do it. Right. He's not just going to go out there and take penalties for the sake of taking penalties. If you're not asking him to do that. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, he also has that ability to go out and take penalties if you do need him to. And that gets into the psychology of the game. And, you know, sometimes there are times when that makes sense in the gamesmanship of hockey. So um, I think that he's a guy who's going to fill a lot of different roles for the abs and be just he's a a really good on paper fit. And I'm really excited to see what happens on the ice. Someone I'm still playing with in my head on, on how exactly he does fit into the Avs roster is Don Skoy. Is he someone that you can put with Kadri? He seems like someone that could also be a bit of a line driver. If you put him maybe say on the third line, where do you see him, him fitting in based on some of these advanced metrics? Uh, you know, um, his defense last year was incredible. Uh, and part of that was uh, the Sharks overall were pretty decent at defense. Um, their goaltending was atrocious, but uh, <laughs> they did a lot better with Don Skoy on the ice than without. So he, he is somebody who definitely uh, takes care of his own end, which is nice especially if you're using him and potentially a third line role that's a guy that you can kind of slip in and not really have to worry about um his offense is you know kind of in that tweener area 
Um, I don't know if he is going to win a top six job outright. If he does, it would probably be as the number six. Um, But he's a guy who transitions the puck very well and is asked to do it often. Um, he, He takes the puck with possession and gets it out of his zone and with possession gets it into his offensive zone. So he's somebody who drives the puck the correct way, um, limits shots against, and does provide some offense. So as far as where he fits on the abs, that's another interesting training camp battle. Um, Confer might be in this one too for that, that second line wing. Um, yeah. I'm not quite sure, but I think that, either second or third line, he would be fine in either. If if he gets beat out and is on the third line, that is great for the abs. I think he is a very good third line player. Um, yeah, he he's definitely a guy who I think has a lot to offer. And uh, good on the abs for identifying him and going out and getting him. Yeah, so kind of two players so far that we're expecting quite a bit of stability from in the Avs roster, particularly with Donskoy if he's on the third line. That leaves the guy widely regarded as one of the biggest wild cards of the Avs roster in Andre Burakovsky. You know, when you look at his underlyings, they aren't they aren't bad. Um, especially given the he was in a lower role than I think he's gonna see with the abs in Washington, he was playing uh, mostly third line minutes and I do expect him to be pretty firmly entrenched on the second line moving yeah. forward. Uh, but his offensive process is very good. Uh, his defensive process looks a little scary, but when you start digging into it, um, a lot of it was his defenseman let him down. And there were a lot of shots that went on net while he was out there, but not necessarily from his area. Uh, They were happening in other areas of the ice. So he's somebody who, on the defensive side, team effects probably have a lot to do with it. Um, Especially since he was playing down the roster, he wasn't playing with as high caliber players as he's likely to be seeing here in Colorado, too. So he's definitely a wild card, but after digging into the stats and kind of getting a feel for what his situation was in Washington, um, he's somebody who I now feel a lot more comfortable with moving forward. I think that he has the potential to surprise a lot of people or make me look really dumb. We'll see what happens. (laughs) Um, But... I, the one thing that really stands out with him that you wouldn't see necessarily from normal stats is his transition numbers are just about as good as Sam Gerrard's. They are phenomenal. They are among the best in the entire league among forwards, if not the best. They were excellent. Washington asked him to break out the puck a lot. And he did so, again, with possession and driving it forward. So um, that, more than anything, gives me confidence that he he's the guy who can get the puck going in the right direction. 
he can uh, provide offense once you get it there. Um, and as long as his defensemen don't bleed shots, uh, he's somebody who I think is going to do pretty darn well with the Avs. Yeah, I. that's really encouraging to hear. If, if you're putting two heavy possessional players together, like, say, Burakovsky and Kadri on the Avs' second line, that's something that they haven't really had over the past handful of years. Yeah. Um, gosh, I don't even remember the last time they would have. Yeah, it's been uh, a while. Stastny, Duchesne, O'Reilly-ish era, I would have to think. But... Probably, when we had those three second line centers. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's a good note to end on, I think. A, a lot of positivity this off season for the Avs, whether it be the eye test or the analytics like we've talked about here. Andy, a- any final thoughts on the Avs, advanced statistics or some shout-outs you want to give? No, not really. I just overall, I think Sackick went out and had a really good off season. It might not have been very splashy, uh, but it was extremely solid. And uh, I think that he saw the areas and the roles that the abs needed to improve. And he went out and got guys that should fill those roles very well and should improve the team. So Overall, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Um, I'm expecting another good season moving forward, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. My final thoughts on all of this are that advanced statistics have almost certainly been a game changer for hockey. <laughs> so it's time to tell you about some game-changing coffee as well. StravaCraft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so be sure to check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today, and you can get 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. That is it for this week from us at BSN. We will be back on Monday as usual. One more show that we'll do with uh, our rotating guests and then AJ will be back on Tuesday. So you guys have that to look forward to. Thank you for listening and we will catch you then. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. 
They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com.